the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The law cannot explain why a righteous man and a righteous God inside him would go to our personal hell on a cross to turn the judgment of the law upside down to set sinful subjects free. You see, in his injustice, in his injustice, the justice of God becomes grace for us all. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Yesterday, we brought you the first portion of the glory of the cross, but we're unable to complete it due to our time constraints. We will do so now. And here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. The seraphim, these majestic angelic beings that carry the presence of God, that carry the word of God, that transmit messages from heaven to earth. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when he heard seraphim proclaim the glory, he saw his sins Because the glory spotlights those dark moral spots in us all that are awful to God and others. And he felt undone in verse 5, and he said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Friends, you cannot see the glory without a moral look at who you are in the light of that glory. In vision, he saw the seraphim take a coal from the altar. See, God has a fix for such problems. God knows his people need a solution when the glory reveals the problem. So a seraphim took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. And he said, your sin is removed from you. The glory is bright and shines on us with all our sin. And highlights that which is wrong in us, true enough. But the glory does more than that. The glory burns the sin away because the glory is fire. The last message to this world has three phases to it. And, you know, I'm very grateful today that we have the privilege as Seventh-day Adventist Christians to proclaim a prophetic message to the world. And that prophetic message is outlined in three distinct angels in Revelation 14. And the first of them is a call to remember the glory. Look at verse 6 of Revelation 14. Then I saw another angel in mid-heaven. Now, mid-heaven is where radio signals can go, you know? Right? Radio waves move in mid-heaven. I told a friend of mine that he's in the business of the first angel's message because angels are in mid-heaven helping those radio signals to get to the right radio so someone can hear the message of God. I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. Now, is God exclusive? No. To every nation and tribe and tongue and people, there's no place for hate in God's program, is there? We worship a multi-ethnic God who loves the peoples of the earth. 
And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. But notice in verse 7, it says, fear God and give him what? Glory. You see, the final generation will see his glory. When a man or woman hears the everlasting gospel from God, it is only then that a man or woman has the glory to proclaim as good news to others. God has a prophetic movement at the end that will proclaim prophetic truth in the context of an everlasting gospel, not a newly invented one for a final generation, but an everlasting gospel that goes all the way back to Jesus and the early apostles. God has not called us to talk about ourselves as Christians, but to help other people come to see God's glory. Now turn to Isaiah 66, verse 18. Now here is the very prophecy in the book of Isaiah that gives us the foretaste of the first angel's message. Isaiah sixty-six eighteen, The Bible says, For I know their works and their thoughts, and I am coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see what? Now what did Moses say? Show me thy glory. And God is saying at the end of time, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to show my glory to the world. Look at verse 19. I will set a sign among them. Now the Bible's clear. Ezekiel 20, verse 12, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign that they might know that I am the Lord their God that sanctifies them. And in the immediate context of Isaiah 66, it says from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come and bow down before me. So the great Sabbath sign would be restored to the world as God reveals his glory. And from them, he says, I will send survivors. That's a Hebrew word that can mean remnant to the nations. To Tarshish, Put, and Lud, who draw the bow. To Tubal and Javan, that's Greece. To the coastlands afar off that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations. Now, I want to be in that group that declares God's glory. What about you? But you can't declare a glory you have not seen. God is coming to reveal his glory. And once you see the glory, you can share it with your friends and neighbors. When you see God's backside, you see a little of the glory in God that is his law. But there is more to the glory of God than God's law. The glory on Moses' face faded because it was not the lasting glory that will never fade. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Paul says, for if what faded away came with splendor, what is permanent must have what? What does the text say? Much more splendor. The glory of God that we need in our lives is greater than the glory that God showed Moses. Moses in his day never saw God's face. We can see God's face. The apostle John makes this statement in John 1.14 concerning the glory. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Now notice what he says. We have beheld his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. What Moses never could do, we have beheld his glory. Moses never saw the glory in its fullness that God gave at Sinai. He never did. But in Jesus, John said, we have seen the glory. Now turn with me to John 1, 17 and 18. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only son who is in the bosom of the father, what has he done? What does it say? He has made him known. The Greek literally says, he has exegeted him. 
he has fully explained them. He has declared every detail of who God is to us. The substance, the essence of God is found in Christ. And through Christ, we see the glory. That's what he's trying to say. We see what Moses could never have seen. We behold him. No one can look into the face of God and live. No one can see the glory, it says in the Old Testament. Yet Jesus is the only one who has. And Christ has made him known. Christ is God's revelation of the glory. And through Jesus, we see it. That's what John is saying. Christ came to reveal that glory at the cross of Christ in the Gospel of John. Just before he died, Jesus made it clear why he came. It was all about the glory John 17 contains the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ when he consecrated himself to go to the cross and die for our sins. And in that special prayer, perhaps the greatest prayer in the New Testament in terms of a larger prayer, greatest prayer in the Bible, I think, it's a prayer that begins to unveil the glory, unpack the meaning of his coming, the purpose of the cross. And three times in John 17, he refers to the glory. Let's look at all of them. John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify thou me in thy own presence with the glory which I had with thee before the world was made. The Father and the Son together in a compact, in a holy covenant, the glory will be revealed. Just like Abraham and Isaac went up the mountain to the place of sacrifice, the Father and the Son are together at last to reveal the glory. John 17, 22. The glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Now what's he referring to here? He's referring to the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Somehow the love of God, which is the glory of God, will be given to us by the gift of Christ. Now go to verse 24, the third time it's used. Father, I desire that they also... Whom thou hast given me may be where I am, to behold my glory which thou hast given me in thy love for me before the foundation of the world. The glory of God was given in love before the foundation of the world so that we can through Jesus Christ behold the glory. Verse 24 is an echo of one of the clearest verses in all the Bible that describes God's love for us all. You know what verse that is. What verse is it? John 3.16, the glory is the revelation of the love of God given for Christ from eternity revealed in the gift of Christ for us. Let's look at the verse. For God so loved the world, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be what? Saved through him. That means you and me. You know, look, we don't come to church just to follow a social agenda here or there. No, we come to church so we can be saved and help other people get saved too. Isn't that what church is about? Isn't it? Therefore, there is a holy purpose, and the love of God has been given in Christ so we can see the glory for that purpose and end. So... Friend, in the face of Jesus, we have beheld his glory. It's much brighter than the law that came through Moses at Mount Sinai. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we behold the glory, the Shekinah glory that dwelt above the Ark of the Covenant that no man can see and live. 
You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. Now, paradoxically, no man can live without seeing the glory. To see it is to live. To see it is to know God. And to know God is to have everlasting life. John said in John 1, 29, John the Baptist, Jesus was walking toward him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Pilate said in John 19, 5, Echo homo in Latin, behold the man. In the Gospel of John, the unveiling of the glory leads us all to the cross of Christ. The cross is not just a cross. The cross is the cross of Christ. It is a paradox that Jesus died in the darkness of the cross when Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says there was darkness over the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour. From noon to three in the afternoon, the light of the world, he was plunged into our darkness to save us all so we could behold the glory. The black hole of our personal hell sucked him up and in. And Christ knew the pain of God-forsakenness and the horrible sorrow of sin that will come at the end of the millennium when final judgment is issued against those who have none of Christ. He felt that end-time despair as end-time judgment, God's final judgment on sin was at the cross in Christ. For three long hours, Jesus suffered in the darkness of the cross, the darkness of the cross of Christ. Friend, those three hours cannot be quantified in any human terms because time itself stood still that day. That day in the darkness as God himself was arraigned before the judgment bar of God and God himself was pronounced guilty for us all in Christ. In Christ, the cross of Christ, the glory. God was in Christ at the judgment bar of God, dying for the sins of all his subjects, my sins and your sins. The sun refused to shine that day. And the Son of God cried out in the darkness, My God, my God, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there's no good answer to that question in legal terms. Theology must surrender and have no answer because you can't answer it. The law cannot explain why a righteous man and a righteous God inside him would go to our personal hell on a cross to turn the judgment of the law upside down to set sinful subjects free. You see, in his injustice, in his injustice, the justice of God becomes grace for us all. It breaks the whole idea that the devil had used the law for to keep the human race in the grave without a resurrection. Because somehow one who deserved no sin became sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And then don't hurry through the phrase that follows, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Friend, only in the darkness of the cross can you see the glory 
Because that is right there in that awful place where Jesus died for you and me. What is love? And what is God like? And what kind of character and attitude can you discern when you look into his face in the darkness of the cross? What is the glory? Moses said, show me your glory. At the cross, we see the glory. There is no veil between us and God. The face of God is fully seen. It is a bleeding face. It is a face that is cut wide open. It is a face with tears and of love for those he is dying for. We see the very God who is the law, dying as the lawgiver to atone for the broken law that breaks his heart so sinners can go free. Friend, we see forgiveness in the face of God in Jesus at the cross, the glory. We hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. Now, let's personalize that. Father, forgive me. Forgive you. Forgive our children, our brothers, our enemies. They know not what they are doing. And we see God doing just that at the cross. And don't let a smart theologian tell you he didn't. Forgiving all of us at the cross, as the Bible says in Ephesians 4, as God in Christ forgave us, he did. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he kept on giving until his heart was fully broken as he lost it all for us all at the cross, the glory. And the love of God is the glory of God, and you can't understand the love of God just by looking at his law. The love of God is the glory of God. And at the cross, God empties the bank account, the storehouses of his love. He becomes a bankrupted God because he has nothing left to give. And he gives it all to save us in Jesus. Friend, infinite love unzipped, poured out, and sprinkled on us all. What happened at the cross is plain, simple, and yet profound and deep. Christ became sin for us so we can become the very righteousness of God in him. Christ identified with us. He suffered the death which was ours that we might receive the life which was his and with his stripes we are healed. He took us into himself so that the love of God would triumph over every evil desire, over every evil attitude, over every unforgiving spirit to set the sinner free from condemnation to live a new life. Colossians 2.13 And you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now he's speaking of the cross in the context. God made alive together with him having forgiven us how many of our sins? All our trespasses. And what did he do to them? Having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. The handwriting of ordinances. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What kind of God do we worship at the cross in Christ? What kind of glory do we see at the cross? What kind of light comes from the face of God at the cross? Friend, it is not the law we see as such hanging on that cross. God did not nail his law to the cross. God nailed the lawgiver to the cross. Do you see what I'm saying? The lawgiver, the one who gave the law, he nailed to that cross so that we could be forgiven. And because his law can never be changed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Now, when we receive Christ by faith, righteousness is imputed to us, is accounted to us legally because we have come to know God in Christ and the grace of God in Christ becomes ours by faith. But at the cross in Christ, not in your experience here, in Christ, he was not imputing their trespasses against them. That means before you ever ask God to forgive you, God's attitude is one of forgiveness so you can. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us this word of reconciliation. We have a message for the world that is directly related to how we deal with the cross. If we do not believe that God has forgiven us and can, then we will have nothing to share with others. But if in our humility we see the glory, we see that we are undone, and a coal from the altar touches our lips, and we see the cross that God died for me, that forgiveness is for me, the love of God comes from the church and the heart and the life to be a message of reconciliation. Galatians 6.14 says it all. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Dear friend and dear heart, if you want to see the glory of God and the face of God, there is no clearer picture of God than the picture of the face that's hanging on the cross of Christ. Christ's face is God's face. And if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. It is there. And there the veil parts at last. And we behold the glory. Of all the things we can boast about in this life, the cross of Christ is the only thing that deserves all of our attention and all the boasting too. We must be people of the cross. I'd like to share a statement from my favorite devotional writer, Describe the glory of the cross in personal and practical terms. It's inspiring. I like it. It speaks to me. It was written on April 29, 1902 in the Review and Herald. It captures the glory of the cross so well. Without the cross, man could have no connection with the Father. On it hangs our every hope. In view of it, the Christian may advance with the steps of a conqueror, for from it streams the light of the Savior's love. When the sinner reaches the cross and looks up to the one who died to save him, he may rejoice with fullness of joy, for his sins are pardoned. Kneeling at the cross, he has reached the highest place to which man can attain. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. And the words of pardon are spoken, live, O ye guilty sinners, live. Your repentance is accepted, for I have found a ransom. Through the cross, we learn that our Heavenly Father loves us with an infinite and everlasting love and draws us to Him with more than a mother's yearning sympathy for a wayward child. And can we wonder that Paul exclaimed, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our privilege also to glory in the cross of Calvary. Our privilege to give ourselves wholly to Him who gave Himself for us. Then with the light of love that shines from his face on ours, we shall go forth to reflect it to those in darkness. The glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. Glory, glory, glory. In the face of Jesus Christ, we see the face of God at last. The glory of God.
Dear Heavenly Father, we bow our heads in need of the glory. The glory of the cross. The glory that takes away our agenda and places Christ as first and foremost in our personal lives, our families, the church, and the world. And Lord, we have confessed to you this day that like Isaiah, we are undone, that woe is us. Woe are we without the cross of Christ. But Lord, we also confess that with Christ all things are possible. With Christ the glory is here. With Christ there is joy. Christ the freedom of victory because of him and his victory at the cross. And I pray today, Lord, that your people will leave here not trusting themselves, not trusting in what they can gum up to make themselves feel accepted, not, Lord, trusting in efforts, even though efforts are important for the church to continue, but trusting in the one who gave it all. And thus, a willful, joyful heart is the outcome. Lord, we bow our heads and we say thank you for the glory. And I would like to ask the question in prayer, Lord, to you of all those here. How many of you in this place would raise your hand with me and say, I will live for the cross of Christ in the place we are going? If you are of like mind, raise your hand right now. Now, Father, you see those hands. Lord, I want to live for Jesus in that new place, whatever it means. And I want to see people come to Jesus into that baptism in that new place. Bless your people here. Hold us as we transition in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your heart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.